3: Chase Thomas podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast. Um, My nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I
1: already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello and welcome back to another episode of NFL Super Friends here on the Chase Thomas podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. We got a full cast of characters once again on this show. No J.R. Bailey this week. He's away in Mobile. Uh, covering joe milton and the uh my uh in the uh, the senior bowl down there uh, in mobile but uh jarrett will be back next week we got a big time guest with us here but before we get to that big time guest filling in for Jarrett this week we've got evan swords a 49ers hub the lo- after weeks away he's back his team's in the super bowl he's feeling pretty good evan how are
0: you i'm feeling pretty good i feel like you after that <laughs> um i i think i've lost a solid couple decades off of my lifespan after the last two weeks, but yeah, feeling good.
1: There you go. Hey, it's, you still get, it, it's been worthwhile because your team's in the Super Bowl again, which is nice. A lot of teams don't have the run that the Niners are on over the last six years. So enjoy it, sir. It, uh most teams don't, as Dan Campbell told his team after the game, we're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Also here, SB Nation's JP Acosta, as he is each and every week. JP, good evening, sir. How are you?
4: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm a little, little bummed that I couldn't make it out to Mobile for the Senior Bowl this week, but I'm gonna be following from afar. Still scouting, trying to figure out who's gonna be the next, I guess, Brock Purdy. Sure, mm. sure. If we're doing this,
0: could we okay. chill?
4: <laughs> what Look,
0: did he? I, what did he do to you?
4: Oh, no, <laughs> <dude. laughs> I don't even <laughs> want to get started with that, but. <laughs>
1: Look, man, all I know, never mind. I'm not gonna do this yet. I'm not gonna get JP this riled up right out of the gate here. Also here spilling in for Jarrett, one of the best NFL, young NFL writers and analysts going today. He's been on this show before and uh always great and learn a lot from Tej Seth of Summer Sports, a very good uh NFL website that you should go check out if you have not already done so with Falcons legend Thomas Dimitrov, Eric Eager, and the crew over there. Tej, good evening, sir. How are
3: you? Pretty good. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Uh, you know, have passed the 24 hours since my Lions have lost to Evans 49ers. So I'm starting to get over it a little bit, but you know, still taking some time for sure. I can't,
0: I can't stress it enough. It absolute, I commend you for even coming on. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I will be as humble and not a douchebag as possible because I love the Lions and I love their story this year. And I, I hate to be on this side of the camera with you right now. <laughs>
1: He doesn't. Don't listen to him, Tej. This man has had so much fun.
0: So quickly.
1: This is going to get bad.
0: I don't think so.
1: We're about to see here. Because the first thing out of the gate here, Evan, the Niners won. I'm opening the floor. You've been away for a few weeks. You've got to see the Niners put together two back-to-back just, I mean, insane comebacks yeah. let insane. me just yeah, yeah you don't need to preface
0: it let's just get going uh oh, he's, first got and he's, foremost, he's Byron. no 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 but first and foremost i do want to go over the jersey because i think it matters and i know that there's going to be a million 49ers that had their superstitious story but i just think mine was crazy so i'm in mammoth which is the main mountain where you go snowboarding outside of la uh mm. i'm it was my birthday party i've got like 12 or 13 people at a big giant house not one of them cares about the NFL. Uh, I'm watching the game in my Jersey. Everyone's drinking and partying around me. No one cares. The Packers game is going poorly. As we all know, I was feeling very negative about it. And I was like, they're going to probably lose this game. I see it coming. You know, you can sometimes just feel the bad vibes in a game. Right. And so I'm like, all right, well, we have to immediately leave after this to go out. So I'm just going to get ready like i'm just gonna go change real quick so i threw off my jersey i was wearing the kettle jersey throw it off put normal clothes on okay good to go let's go back downstairs finish the game they obviously win i was like i don't even know what just happened so the lions game the lions game was worse the lions were just beating the shit out of the, <laughs> the 49ers for the first half everything the lions wanted to do they did and everything the niners tried to do didn't work I mean, hats off to, to Ben Johnson. I Like, the first, the opening drive, it was literally like Ben Johnson was just like twisting a mustache and giggling as he wrote the plays out like the last week or two. You know what I mean? Like, it was like an evil villain. It's just like everything he wanted to do worked. And then on top of that, not only did that happen, but like 49ers players were just missing tackles, left, and right chase young who they traded a third and some change for chase young the number two pick in the draft this monster of a you know of of a of a man was supposed to come over and just dominate with his old teammate nick bosa the dude is literally in the nfc championship after getting saved from the dumpster fire that is washington football in the nfc championship one game away from the super bowl and he's taking plays off that result in a touchdown So I'm just sitting here going, okay, Ambry Thomas is getting absolutely cooked. Chase Young is getting absolutely cooked. Like, you know, not to. I want you guys to go. They're running
1: on third and 12, and there's nothing the Niners can do about it.
0: Third and 12, (laughs) the third and 12 run, uh, just open holes in the middle. And I'm like, okay, you know, like this is worst case scenario. And everyone's like, oh, it's only, you know, it's not, it's only 21 points, blah, 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 whatever, like 17 points. It felt. As if they, they they were just a completely outclassed team. So rather than me go on my little annoying, whatever spiel on why the Niners won, I genuinely wanted to talk to Tej and just understand how you think something like that happened. Because I know everyone wants to point to the fourth down calls and like, you know, him going for it in, in those in a misopportune times. But how did both teams? seemingly get absolutely destroyed in two separate halves
3: yeah i mean i think i think you bring up a really interesting point there and like you know you look at the first half for the lions uh quick touchdown on the opening drive you know second touch se- or touchdown in the second drive they had to punt on the third drive but they went touchdown and then kicked a field goal on fourth and three to close out the half uh you know you can kind of debate that but we're we're probably not going to talk about that too much but when you look at the second half the Lions did drive down the field on their first possession. They had a fourth and three where Josh Reynolds and, and Jared Goff have hit that same curl route multiple times and they just missed on it. You know, Goff threw it a little bit low. Reynolds Reynolds should have caught it, but but didn't catch it. Second drive, you have Jameer Gibbs fumble on the first first play of that drive. Um, you know, then you have a three and out where you're not able to down the punt at the one yard line. It goes back for a touchback. You have another fourth down where you run mesh. Jameson Williams is open and just Goff isn't able to get to the backside of the progression in time. And then the, the last possession was, was, you know, basically garbage time at that point. So, you know, it really all happened so quickly for lions because of the two fort down stops and the fumble where the 49ers were able to tie up the game with three minutes to go in the third quarter from being down 24 seven at halftime, just because the lions had so many self-inflicted mistakes on offense and the 49ers often took complete advantage of that in the second half
0: do you think that like was it was it because i mean obviously you're, you're a very analytical individual do you think that vibes had anything to do with this you saw cj gardner johnson literally waving to 49ers fans by at the half do you think that like the lions maybe just got a little too ahead of themselves were they getting a little too confident did they kind of feel like maybe this game's over
3: <laughs> yeah, I the mean, old, that's, that's a good open. question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, DJ garner johnson is such an interesting guy. I mean, for him to take the deep, the the cheap shot on Debo on the on the interception return was was a really strange situation, actually. Um, but I, I do think that they they the the lack of experience from this roster did play a role in what exactly happened in the second half where you have one of the youngest rosters in the league. I mean, they showed that graphic during the game. There was only three or four players on the lines that have actually played in a conference championship game before you still have a relatively young head coach. And then Dan Campbell, who is in his third year, you know, first time ever making a playoff run as a head coach. So I think that when you see other teams and like how they often have to go through different trials and tribulations before they eventually reach the Super Bowl. That was some of what's happening to the Lions yesterday was they were still feeling out how exactly to play in a moment like this and, and to not let everything unravel when it started to go sideways in the second half. It does that's, feel, a really,
4: that's a really big point. Like We've seen, like, especially from the Chiefs and from the, from the Niners, this playoff run, Great experienced teams are able to prevent the snowball effect. They're mm. able to prevent like a bad play turning into a catastrophic string of plays. The interception that wasn't that hit Kendall Vidor in the face. Like you don't. I hate to say it because it's such a like such a cliche, but if they could catch, they would play receiver. Mm. That's that's kind of the thing there, but. You can tell great teams are able to prevent the snowball effect from happening. The Niners went down 24 7, and we're like, okay, like we're here, we're good. (laughs) Like we'll we'll go into half, we'll fix it, and then we're going to come right back out. Uh, I did have to mention that the last time the Niners came back from 17 plus down, the NFC Championship game, they beat the Atlanta Falcons. That's That's not
1: necessary. That That was
0: absolutely necessary. But anyway, no. um,
1: Speaking yeah. of sidebar, the Falcons are introducing Raheem Morris on February 5th, which hey, we're I don't, not,
0: we're not, you're not, you're not taking up 49ers airtime to talk about the Falcons. Well, it's I'm not just gonna saying happen. it was, they're doing <laughs> already, it on the anniversary. You got I just JP, don't know why. You got, you got JP mentioning them. You would talk yeah. about it later. I, In the meantime, Justin Fields. Sh- shut your damn mouth. I just,
4: I just had to mention that every, every <laughs> stat that has to do with a historic
0: collapse has to do with the Falcons. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, always. So, but, okay. So the one thing, and I, i like, I almost can't talk about the good things that are involving the 49ers because all I can think about it as a fan, right? We've seen two NFC championship losses. We've seen two Super Bowl losses in the last 15 years. Like the Niners, like when you think of playoff collapses in the NFL in the last 15 years, you think the 49ers. So we're going to, after watching them barely beat the Packers and barely beat the Lions, Go up against the juggernaut that is the the Patrick Mahomes Kansas City Chiefs, while also being the Taylor Swift year. And if you think for one second that the NFL does not want the confetti falling down on the oh, fifty wow. yard he's line, he's already starting the narrative. With and it's not a narrative. I'm not like listen. We can separate this entirely from football. I think the like in itself in a vacuum, the Chiefs are the probably one of the best. Chiefs teams that we've seen in the last, you know, since the Patrick Mahomes has become the starter, they have a defense that's very good right now, that's playing very good. They went up against a Ravens team that had this monstrous defense and punched them in the mouth. But outside of all of that, you can't tell me the NFL is not like doing the numbers, the impressions alone. It's billions of dollars we're talking about if the Chiefs win. And well, hold on. it's not to-
1: about if they win. Travis? It's, I- People they just want them there, so the eyeballs are going to be there no, regardless. No, 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 no,
0: no. If they win, Season's over after if this. If they win, uh-huh. the storylines of Travis and Taylor winning the Super Bowl will be spoken across the globe for a, a month.
1: Evan. Imagine, imagine, Evan. If, what, Evan, what are we what doing?
0: If, what if Travis proposes on the fifty-yard line? Cool, Sam they've only been What's <laughs> the months. number? <laughs> Tez, you're an analytics guy. You're so, a numbers guy. How much I... money are we talking?
1: That's probably going to be a part. That's probably going to be a bet, right? Like that's. I didn't think yeah, about so, that.
3: So I, I did see Fanduel posted that today. Is is if there's going to so be a proposal funny. after this? Football. And uh, no was sitting at like minus twelve hundred or something crazy like that. So they don't oh. seem to think it's gonna happen. Yeah. Okay. I don't uh, want. I don't
0: want to like dip, dip off football too much, but like genuinely, like I do feel like the game is terrifying coming up like it's going to be a very hard game and there's going to be so much pressure for the 49ers to beat this juggernaut
4: so I think that's honestly one of the biggest reasons why playing the Chiefs is so tough because I guess the best way to compare it is when you when in Naruto when you get caught in a genjutsu and you just don't know what's going on that is that's the Chiefs they force you to play so uptight they force you to play perfect. The Ravens ran the ball like nine times mm-hmm. on Sunday. That's not what the Ravens do. They led the NFL in rushing, but for some reason against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, it's always you got to go throw for throw because that's the only way you can beat them. That's
0: why not- is that? Because By the way, and also I was thinking about that, like when they were talking about the that in the game, and I'm literally just sitting there going, Kyle Shanahan's going to do the same thing
4: because. Mm people are so afraid of giving patrick mahomes the ball with the chance to win the game at the end like if you go if you try to go shot for shot with patrick mahomes you're not going to win but i think if you try and ball control it like the bills tried to ball control it and still lost the game i honestly do think that game plan by the bills really spooked the ravens off of their game plan where it's like oh Hmm. shit like we just saw the Ravens run for over a hundred plus yards and Josh Allen was scrambling everywhere and they still lost the game. Yeah. Mm. it's very much a, you, you play so uptight when you play the chiefs and that benefits Kansas city because you know, all the, regardless of who's, who has a better record, which team is better. They have 15. So regardless of what happens during the game, if he gets the ball with a chance to win the game, all the pressure is on you. And I think that goes into game planning during the week where you're like, I don't want to give him the ball with the chance to win. So
1: what's y'all's gut reaction on this matchup? Does it feel like it's better for the Niners to get the Chiefs here? Do you feel like for the Chiefs, it's better to get the Niners? What, what's your gut instinct on how this ultimately, this matchup will ultimately unfold?
4: I would be terrified of playing this Chiefs team because the Chiefs have somehow figured out how to run an offense with receivers that we thought were bad. Mm. Like, I think this is the coolest thing about the Chiefs this year is the defense has given them enough of a margin for error during the season to figure out what was going mm-hmm. on with the offense. It is the inverse of what happened last year. Last year, Kansas City's offense was phenomenal, brutally efficient, one of the most efficient offenses we've ever seen the defense had a lot of young guys in the secondary. They were trying to figure it out. And then come playoff time, they figured it out, and they were one of the best defenses in the playoffs. This year, the defense was the one that kind of kept them in games, helped them win games, while the offense figured out what was going on, with the drops, the route running, the just the offensive issues. And now <laughs> we've gotten to a point where MVS, I swear I thought MVS <laughs> was going to drop that pass at the end of the game. Yeah. That was a pass MBS drops if we're in like October. He drops that pass. (laughs) But the growth of this team offensively has made them even more terrifying. Because you can't say, oh, we're going to make MBS beat us, or we're going to make Rasheed Rice and and Justin Watson beat us. Mm -hmm. Because they did. Like they can do that. And I think that's a very that's a huge testament to how well the defense is played. And how well Patrick Mahomes and the offense has kind of grown with this team. You so know, like,
0: the the Chiefs are going to be out there. Was it their nose tackle or is it their – one of their defensive linemen? And Charles Amini Well, no, Ominihoo. not him. Him his, him as well. Their pass rusher, Charles Amenu, former 49ers towards the ACL. But another person, maybe uh, it was the guard.
4: Nadi didn't play against the Niner – against uh Baltimore. But, I mean, you're going to get an extra couple of weeks – so he's hmm. got he's got 3 weeks to try and get ready for this game.
3: And so two, what and I'm, Tune didn't
4: play? So if Tooney decides to come yeah. back from a torn pick, like that improves the
0: run game even more. So mm-hmm. here's what I want to know. Obviously it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to come back and like look at the San Francisco 49ers beating the the Lions in complain. They scored 34 points. It's a they did a great job obviously. It seems like Brandon Ayuk has has become to a point where you have to get him the ball as much as possible. I think he's earned it, right? Like, I think at this point he's been dominant in the playoffs. He was dominant towards the end of the year. I think he deserves it. I think Debo, like, he he needs to get the the passes. Obviously, he had the most targets, led in receiving yards. But like, it seems like he's doing these rushes. Like, he's rushing with Debo and it, knowing that they're not going to work. Like, the, the Debo running is very rarely working anymore. But here's my, my – George Kittle had three targets last night, and really for the most of the game he had one. George Kittle uh, – like, I just – I feel like the Niners would be doing better for themselves and maybe not being – having these slow starts if they're, if they're getting in the ball more. What do you guys think?
3: Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say I think that just like the – 49ers having the four main weapons and then even like Jawan Jennings and Kyle you can step up from time to time, like they did yesterday and like they did against the Packers, especially Jennings is like, there is going to be a player or two that's like, you know, somewhat left out of the game flow just because of how the game is going. So yeah, like when you looked at Debo's runs like in 2020 when they were awesome and like you think about that Packers playoff game where he was able to break off multiple runs to, to win the 49ers That game, now that you have McCaffrey, there's less of a need for those, unless you're just doing it just to have the the play-calling diversity and and making defenses prepare for multiple looks. Like McCaffrey at this point is the best rusher in the NFL. Like he's someone that will give you plus advantage rushes throughout the game. So yeah, I would like to see less of those Debo rushes, but I'm totally with you with the Ayuk point. Like I think that at this point, Ayuk is one of the most efficient receivers in the entire league right now and as long as they keep finding ways to get him the ball and you know he makes the play like the the ball that bounces off Bill helmet and, and catches it and then gets the touchdown uh, a couple plays later on that drive like he's just continuing to make those plays the entire season and i think that he can continue that and that the game plan should be uh you know pretty focused on him in the playoffs or in the super bowl uh even though you know he's going to have a pretty tough matchup against the Need.
0: It was so frustrating watching Laporta get the ball all of those times and, like, just seeing how dominant the Lions could be when really targeting Laporta. And it's like – Well, that's because Sam Laporta is their second-best receiver. I understand that. It's more of like – They
4: do that out of – Of course, because Sam Laporta is good, but it's also out of necessity. Like, after after Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta, you're throwing to Josh Reynolds and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Like Mm – that you got to do that when you don't have Brandon
0: Ayuk or Debo
4: Samuel
5: I mean, or I
4: mean, Kyle Jack I, I, who made a phenomenal catch. Like
0: I, I get that. But at the same time, like outside of Ayuk and Debo, like McCaffrey was their second leading receiver or their third leading receiver. So it's like it's not like they're using these other receivers. Juwan Jennings is getting some clutch plays here and there. But like, I don't know, man, like if you need to move the chains, if you need to get momentum going like George Kittle is that guy. And he has shown it time and time again. And it just felt like they were missing that in the first half. And that's all I can think about is like, how do you make sure you don't start slow against the chiefs? Because you will not have that same wiggle room that you've had with these other teams.
4: So I actually think the most important matchup going into chiefs diners is after the catch. I think mm-hmm. this is, not only will this be the best defense the 49ers have faced in the postseason and the second best they faced this season outside of Baltimore, this is going to be the best tackling group of DBs they have seen since Baltimore. The The tackling performance they put on against Baltimore was amazing. Trent McDuffie flying across the field on a jet sweep where he's in man coverage on Zay, Fla- on Zay Flowers, and he meets Zay Flowers at the point where he's going to turn up field he stops it for a three-yard gain. The Justin Reed, beginning of the second half, they Ravens try to run pin-pull, and this play should work. The motion bumps the linebackers all back in. It's going to be an outside edge run, but Justin Reed comes flying off the roof in quarters and just hammers Gus Edwards for a one-yard gain. They, they're able to create... <laughs> they're able to mitigate the yards after the catch. So, The Debo checkdowns against the Lions, those would go for eight yards because the Lions cannot tackle. Like that is something that has been a problem for them. That has been the problem when Brock Purdy would scramble, the the Lions couldn't tackle. That was their biggest issue. They're not going to face that same team that can't tackle in the Super Bowl. So how they manufacture yards after the catch, which is a major part of the Niners' offense, how they manage to do that against a Chiefs team that is not going to allow them to do that, is going to be the biggest thing. I think the tackling is in this game is going to be so fun to watch.
3: No, I mean that's a great point to bring up because when I was looking at it today, the 49ers are first in the NFL in, in yards after catch per reception. The Chiefs are second, right? So these are offenses that are predicated on what you can do after the catch. And when you have when well, like when you look at a, a game like Mahomes had yesterday where I think he only had three or four passes that went past 20 air yards. Like it Mm. was mostly a a game where he was just taking what was given to him in front of him and and relying on that yards after catch. And like, that's what's been impressive about how Mahomes has changed his game to fit the way that defenses are playing the chiefs offense. And then on the 49er side of things, when you have these specific weapons that are built on having this yards after catch ability, where McCaffrey has the highest rate, of force miss tackles when, when, you know, having the ball in his hands, uh, you know, it's Debo specialty is breaking tackles. Iuke is able to get yards after catch. Kittle's able to get yards after catch. Like, I think like you mentioned, JP, like, yeah, the tackling is going to be crucial in this game because that's usually the difference between, uh, you know, making it a fourth and two versus a first down is, is whether you can actually wrap up on some of these plays.
4: Mm-hmm. And even like, like I said, Debo, Debo Samuel, where this Niners offense uses Debo is he is the greatest checkdown in the NFL because yeah. they're never just normal checkdowns. It's oh, I'll throw this ball behind the line of scrimmage and I'll get eight yards. Like it's not it's not a checkdown at that point. It is a viable route because he breaks so many tackles. The Chiefs don't don't miss a lot of tackles. And I think right. a cool thing that Spags is going to do, or at least I think he's going to do, is. In the second half, the Lions, Lions in general, play a lot of man coverage. They they live and die in man. Brock Purdy would scramble in the second half. Posted his highest, I think his career highest EPA, total EPA in scrambles in in the NFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. I don't think Spag is going to play a lot of man. I think it's going to be a lot of zone pressures. Because that's really what, if we think about some of Brock Purdy's worst games this year, it's been zone pressures outside of like rain games. Like the Packers' rain game and the Browns' rain game, it's zone pressures that have gotten to them where it's disciplined rush. And I think that's something that the Chiefs did really well against the Ravens on Sunday was disciplined pass rush. They rarely ever lost contain and kind of condensed the pocket and made things uncomfortable for Lamar. And that's where I think you can affect Brock Purdy is where you get him, you show him different things in coverage and, and change the picture He's gonna he's gonna throw one. He's gonna he's gonna throw one and it's just up to the defense to catch it. Again, just don't let the ball hit you
0: in the face mask. It also it what it, it feels I don't know how to say this and sound like intelligent at all. I don't think it's possible, but the 49ers defense going into this Chiefs game feels like they have a couple really like clutch Super Bowl plays in them. Like between what Greenlaw's been doing, between like the you know, the the vibe that Fred Warner has had been jumping all over the field. Like there's nothing to base this off. Uh it'll be something fun to look back on. But like I, I definitely feel like we could be in store for like some like some really memorable Super Bowl moments.
1: Do y'all buy the like the momentum thing of like Of course look the Niners have had their just will tested in really really difficult ways even as the favorite but to have their backs against the wall at home and to see how that could have easily spiraled out of control against the packers and bounce back and take care of business to doing it all over again the following week where you're like okay because i thought they were going to take care of the lines i didn't think it was going to be um a close game versus, i didn't either yeah and it went the opposite where we're sitting at half and I'm like, I think this is over. Like I like mm-hmm. you're looking around. You're like, I think the Niners are cooked.
0: I thought it
3: was done. Yeah. You, you never, never know with the Lions. You
0: never yeah, know. I, mean, <laughs> the only, I mean, I mean, if you know, if you were looking at me, you know, if Tesh was looking at me in the middle of the game and he was like, listen, this is a very young team and they're very inexperienced, just like the 49ers were in 2019 when Debo was a rookie and, you know, Bosa was in his second year. I'd be like, Okay, maybe there is a chance, right? But like in the moment, you're like, they're fucked. <laughs> of course,
4: of course. I think that I think that momentum thing Sorry, can Chase. be can be real when it comes to the Niners. <laughs> but again, I think it also applies to the Chiefs because two weeks ago the Chiefs weren't supposed to be here because mm. they they're a Tyler Bass missed field goal away from going to overtime. You know, like they had to go on the road to Buffalo, then go on the road to Baltimore. And I think this is going to be a really, really this is gonna be a fun game. I think a lot of people kind of panned it because it's like it's not the new matchup, but I think it's gonna be a really fun game schematically. These these two teams are probably the two best
1: teams in the NFL this year, right? Like I think this these are the two best. I
3: would
4: I would say so.
3: I I think That's kinda what what you
4: want, right? Ultimately. Sorry, Tash.
3: I don't think. It's probably, yeah, no, I agree with you. Like from a team rating standpoint, Forty Nine ers were the best team in the NFC, like by by far. I mean, you saw what happened to the Eagles and Cowboys at the end of the year. Um, the the thing with the Chiefs that I think is really interesting is if you just look at like you know how the Vegas like sports books will have like their team ratings or you know you look at any like advanced metrics like the Ravens will still be higher than the Chiefs even after the Chiefs just beat them head to head. But like I think at this point the Chiefs have got in the benefit of the doubt, where like you just have to accept that playoff Mahomes, playoff Andy Reid, playoff Spags, playoff Travis Kelsey, like they're all real things. Like they like you, you know, you guys brought up at the beginning of the show, like they were just figuring out stuff in the regular season. And like that's why they felt worse to us headed into the playoffs. But now we like are reminded that like they can just have these hyper specific games where they can just take over and dominate like they did against Baltimore.
4: And it really does sound like, again, to make the basketball comparison, it sounds like LeBron. Like, it is very similar to, oh, just wait to get LeBron in the playoffs and we'll see what happens. Get get to the playoffs and then just let it all figure it out. And now Andy Reid has two weeks to prepare for a 49ers defense that while they played fairly, they played well in the second half. I think a lot of the first half, like the schematic issues of and like the personnel issues of the Niners defense were kind of kind of shown a little bit. They don't the Chiefs obviously don't have the Lions offensive line, which is arguably the best offensive line in football. But I think a couple of the problems I saw at the Niners defensively, uh, first, they don't really have a true like nose tackle, which is why the Lions kind of blasted them off the ball in the first mm-hmm. half, especially in the under center run game. And I think to beat this Niners team, you have to challenge them on the outside. You have to be able to make the throws on the outside, that kind of, I mean, that's how they want you to get in those obvious pass situations where you're trying to throw it on the edges of the defense, but you're not going to have a lot of time. But Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate, like, he is the ultimate mitigator. I think there Mm -hmm. was a stat going around yesterday. He hasn't, he's only been sacked once in, like, (laughs) over 100 dropbacks in the playoffs. It's so annoying. which, Which doesn't feel real considering the teams that he has played against yeah. he, it doesn't feel real
3: he yeah so he's only gotten sacked twice this playoffs on 40 pressures <laughs> and both of those sacks happened in the second half of the ravens game so up until <laughs> the second half of the ravens game he hadn't been sacked the entire postseason which is just wild like he just, like, just he insane. really
0: he really is goku like ultra instinct like he knows when to move away from defenders like at the perfect moment so that he's never in like actual jeopardy like when he was scrambling in that one play like it felt like he was like just kind of like gliding kicking back like he just was like never truly worried His about facial awareness right is like
4: insane considering he knows where everybody is at and where everybody's going to be and he can just create little pockets for himself. So how the Niners get pressure on someone that isn't a statue in the pocket. I mean, Jared Goff had his best game, I think, ever when it comes to Mm -hmm. moving around against the 49ers. But this is a totally different animal in Patrick Mahomes. I think how they they manage to keep contained pass rush, where you're still trying to get after the quarterback, but you're maintaining rush lanes is going to be very important because – at times the Niners defensive line has been a little bit undisciplined. Uh, just a tiny bit. Yeah but
0: that Can we talk about bit, that?
4: Like it's yeah,
0: yeah. Let's just- can we talk about that? What the fuck? Everyone <laughs> wants to talk about Steve Wilkes, like, oh, impressive like second half adjustments. How about just don't need to fucking adjust, Dickhead? They have like a, like almost an entirely fucking like are you telling me that you can't defend against a team that has a decent mid-white quarterback? with a very athletic running back, a giant white tight end from Iowa, and a fucking, like, thick, athletic receiver. It's all you look at all season long in training camp, and you don't know how to defend it. Like, why do I have to wait till the third quarter for you to figure out how to defend it? Where I you think asshole. The Chiefs,
4: where I think the Chiefs can really get after the Niners, and it's something that Chiefs haven't really run this year, is because the Niners are so aggressive defensively downhill – the Lions used a lot of trap plays, a lot of crunch, where they would kind, of, they would let the defensive line get a few steps too far upfield. Oh, the uh, the Jamison Williams touchdown. Nick Bosa mm. just completely forgets where the football is. Like he, they kind of sucker him in on the outside zone, and Jamison Williams just runs right past him. Those kind of undisciplined
0: plays cannot it's, happen against It's crazy the though, right? It's crazy though that like even though the Niners had a lot of sacks this year, it feels like it's never when it matters. It's rarely when it matters. Is that crazy? Like, it, shouldn't Nick Bosa be dominating a game? It feels like they're still waiting
4: for the Nick Bosa game, like the DOI mm-hmm. Nick Bosa game, where he kind of takes over, but I think with the amount of attention that he gets, it opens up lanes for Javon Hargrave, who has played fairly well, albeit in terms of He's played a different role than he has in right. uh than he did in Philly. Um, I just I keep thinking about the defensive game or the offensive game plan the Chiefs had against the Niners last year, and Brock Purdy's first start when McCaffrey first came over from the Niners, and they used the Niners' aggression defensively against them, and I'm just like, Andy Reid's got two weeks to prepare for that same defense.
0: And I I would be terrified. I I said it, and I'll say it again. Watching what the Chiefs did to the Ravens, I'm just like, the Niners are going to do the same thing. The Niners are going to overcommit to throwing, and they're going to forget about Christian McCaffrey, and we're going to be looking at the third quarter, and it's going to be like 31 to like 17, and I'm going to be like on the roof with a knife just.
1: Well, you've (laughs) won – that way the last two weeks
0: so yeah this it's is Patrick not, Mahomes' this is not, brother he comes not, back this, and wins games we already know that from 2019 when they lost the super bowl but you're also not only that not only that this ain't
4: joe barry calling a defense <laughs> <laughs> and this is not the lions the lions are great they are very young they don't have the horses that the chiefs do defensively yet this is this is not a team that again i say it a lot fuck around if you want to you will find out. You do not want to fuck around with this Chiefs team because they will hammer you as soon as you think, like, oh, there this team isn't this is not the Chiefs team that they were in years before. Yeah, this is arguably the most complete Chiefs team that we have seen in Mahomes in the Patrick Mahomes era. Because now, if the if the offense is struggling, the defense can keep them in the game and wait until Patrick Mahomes finds an answer. Or like the Ravens game. Mike McDonald and the Ravens' defense played phenomenal after the first drive. The Chiefs did not score in the second half, and it didn't matter because the Chiefs' defense pitched a shutout in the second half. Like that's, It's really hard to play this team this year because they have found so many different ways to beat you, so many different ways to win that, look, you, you can't go in thinking you're going to go blow for blow with Patrick Mahomes in the passing game. Dance with the girl that got you there. (laughs) Tej,
1: buy or sell? I made a joke about this at the top of the show with Dan Campbell. Um, Former player. He knows what it's like. Um, I mean, just when your season ends and knowing how the locker room dynamics change, some guys will be still around, obviously, in Detroit next year. Some guys will not. Um, But he was real by all accounts about like, hey, this it's really, really freaking hard to make it back to where... We just got to the NFC title game, having the Niners on the ribs. I mean, the Falcons I think would have assumed that after even the Super Bowl loss that they would be back. They wanted a playoff game the following year, but they have not sniffed. Uh, They haven't even hosted a playoff game in their new building, and they've been in their new building for for a little bit now. So, buy or sell. The Lions will be back here next year. The Lions will be an NFC title team in that. Hey, they're still super young. They are bringing a lot of their main pieces back. Jameer Gibbs might be the best back in football next year, uh, with the way he's humming along all across the board. Or are you you selling that? And you think
3: this was this was their shot? I've been uh, I've been fighting for my life in some group chats with this exact <laughs> question today. <But laughs> I, I'm selling this. Um, oh you know, no! When you, look at, when you look at the line, like I think when you look at the NFC as a whole, and like the the path that the Lions got this year. Uh, you know, playing a Rams team that was a year ahead of schedule with, you know, regards to their defense, like having Aaron Donald and 10 random guys in the first round and then, play, you know, getting, getting pretty lucky and playing a Buccaneers team in the second round. Like, you know, it, it was impressive to go toe for toe or toe, toe to toe with, uh, the 49ers. But I still think that the the path was, was easy for the Lions, easy division, easy schedule, uh, you know, easier path in the playoffs. Like I still think Lions will be a, a good football team next year. But we, there's so many examples of the 2018 Saints or the 2019 Titans or even the 2016 Falcons, where it's just very hard to replicate this success year after year. And like things get tougher the year after that. like i was I was really impressed with Dan Campbell showing that self-awareness, like saying that quote to the locker room that it'll be twice as hard next year because I think that is something good to mention and something that needs to be mentioned because when teams try to run back the same iteration, of a team that made it to the conference championship that from the year before it the margins become much thinner especially when you lose a play caller as good as ben johnson as i assume he's going to be leaving for a head but we don't know here. what if ben now, johnson's back let's
1: Teds. like what if he's back because aaron glenn's back by all accounts if ben's back and he says no to dc and it's a stunner then are you more apt to say they can run it back and get back
3: Oh, for sure. I, I do think that Ben Johnson is one of the top five, if not top three play callers in, in all of football. So I think that that does increase the chances a lot because moving on from him and by all accounts, it would be an internal hire by the Lions and they would be promoting someone Who would it someone be up. inside? Like it would be um, either Tanner Engstrand, who uh, was interviewing for the Patriots' offensive coordinator job last mm-hmm. week. But you know if Ben Johnson ends up leaving, I think he'll, he'll take the Lions job. So I think it'll be him. Uh, Or maybe they go somewhere else like Hank Fraley if they they really want to keep their offensive line coach. So um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a great point to bring up. Like if if Ben Johnson is is able to stay, I feel a lot more confident about where the Lions offense can be at next year.
1: And I think that's I mean, we just saw with the Eagles and they've gone full guns a blazing this offseason to address the attrition where Vic Fangio now at D.C., you bring in Kellen Moore as OC, and they're just bringing, <laughs> they're getting the dudes back together. And I think Nick Siriani's not messing around, but they got, they got destroyed, uh, picked apart in the coaching market and losing mm-hmm. uh, Shane Steichen and um, wait, who am I blanking Jonathan on? Gannon. Uh, John Jonathan Gannon. Jonathan Gannon, yes. Um, that was hard to lose both those guys uh, for an early coach Nick Sirianni and a young coach still figuring stuff out that we just sometimes can overlook links as dominant and as strong as a roster at Philly had they were still vulnerable and they were still searching for answers and making late season DC changes and they were just in a weird weird spot so I'm very curious if the Lions ultimately do find their way back do you think how much of it is Jared Goff? Do you think Jared Goff is 100% back? Say,
0: why, that's what I wanted to know. Like, yeah. No one's asking that question. Are they keeping Jared Goff? I don't think
3: you can get rid or of him. Or are like they going to Jared
0: Goff, Jared Goff?
3: <laughs> I don't think you can get rid of him. This yeah, J- JP's right. Like, I think... Like, so, like, th- you can draft the I mean, quarterback. Like, you, know, you already well, have, did. You have Hinton Hooker right there. Hold yeah, the on, Hinton Hooker is ready to go. Guy. Chase's guy last year. Yeah. Can we not That's the thing where it's like... With Goff, it's like... so you're going to give him an extension this off season. If it's 45 to $50 million APY, which is like what he's going to be asking for, uh, you know, after the the Daniel Jones contract last year, like that's where I'm saying like the margins become very thin where Goff is on an extension. Sewell is going to get a market resetting extension. St. Brown is going to get top three, top five wide receiver money. And so now you're going to, now this is like where the difficult part of Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell's regime starts where it's like you're going to have pretty expensive players and you're not going to be able to play with like this kind of mindset anymore and i think I'm, I'm very curious to see how they handle it
4: yeah i don't think i don't think you can move on from jared Goff after the last couple of years i think not only from a statistical standpoint where he just works so well with ben johnson and that offense but from a team building standpoint it's going to be really tough to sell to a bunch of guys we're going to still be on that team that you moved on from the quarterback that played really, really well Well, this year. but
0: that's the thing. You draft a quarterback, and you'd be like, so hey, gonna he's, be got one, in... he's got one year left. we just got to figure it out. you got to be safe. They're going to be draft drafted then... 29th. I don't
4: think there's going to be a quarterback as good as, like – I don't think going to be a good, good enough quarterback that you draft. Are they 29th. not a
1: sneaky – I mean, Michael Penix right there? You wouldn't no. like that? He can sit. Penix going higher.
4: They have Hendon Hooker there
0: already.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well you already yeah. got QB1 right there. I don't know what like the yeah, man's how fight. Ma- hey, hey, how
0: many how many, t- how, how many Tennessee uh volunteer quarterbacks are are thriving in the NFL? Uh, I'm
1: sorry. He's your wide receiver 1, Evan Swords. Jawan Jennings was the highest rated quarterback in that game on Sunday. Did you know that? Did you know that, Evan? He was a phenom here in Tennessee in high school as a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The 2 2
0: he had one, one catch for eight yards.
1: Thank hey, you. he's out here. He he's orchestrating off. the offense. He's doing his thing.
0: Blocked, it, blocked his ass off. But
1: mm.
4: I think, like Tez said, the road becomes harder now. Like yeah. you, each year, you cannot run it back in the NFL because everybody's getting better. You constantly have to be reinventing yourself, re making yourself better within the margins. Again, using the Chiefs' example, the Chiefs weren't complacent after that, after the AFC title loss to the to the Bengals, they traded Tyreek Hill. Mm. They they got rid of like their one of their engines of the offense, and then they were in the Super Bowl the next year. Like you constantly have to be on the path of finding and reinventing ways to run your offense within the margins of the NFL because that's where everybody has to win. Like everybody's you have everybody's got talent in the NFL. But at, you have to win in those small areas that separate good teams from being great. And now this is where the Lions are, especially if they extend Jared Goff. You now have to work in the – we got to
0: find the the value signings. You have to find I, a Jadavian Clowney. I mean, hold on, though. R- listen, he's a nice story and all. But if you're if you're Holmes and you're looking at Jared Goff, you're like, hey, man, we saved you. We brought you in. We let you win playoff games. It's a great story, but you're not getting a fucking extension yet. Like, we gotta, we gotta, we're gonna draft a quarterback and you're gonna compete. And that's just how it is. And you should be so thankful because you could have ended up in like Arizona or something. Like, the problem
4: there is how do you explain that to the team that loves Jared Goff? Yeah. And building that, building those guys up. Because I would then, just
0: I would just point to the 2019 to 23 2023 uh, 49ers NFL seasons and say they loved Jimmy Garoppolo over there in San Francisco. Yeah,
4: but they also had number one players at almost every position. Like it's it's
0: it's generally the, okay, okay. Literally, let's not do that. They the Lions <laughs> Aiden and Bosa are like they're probably related. No. But probably they probably related. related. They
4: might be related. You're telling me a-
0: that he's not a, a- there's not there's might, not a fourth Bosa running around.
4: He, <laughs> come on, they might be they might be related. Aiden <laughs> Hutchinson is not as good as Nick Bosa. Not nah, yeah. he's younger. He's, right. he's younger. He's right. That does not mean sure you can be young and still not as good. Like the, <laughs> the potential thing is great, but potential until it's realized is just potential. Listen, but he's
1: even in better potential. I saw that hey. picture of Nick Bosa not in uh like his full on pads and everything. He looks like he's wearing his own pads. Like his his muscles are pads. I don't know if you've seen like the thighs where I'm like, what is that? He like what like, is Nick Bosa's body? Like it's he's, he's, he's like the Hulk. Homelander.
4: He's Homelander. Yes. So many ways. He's home-lander.
0: So no, homelander. No, no, <laughs> but, no. Gen- genuinely, first off, relax, okay. I would like to know. That's I would one of like, the best times.
3: That's one of the best comps I've ever heard. Actually.
0: I would like to present to the court that the first thing <laughs> Nick Bosa did when they won that game is hug Javon Kinloch. I think there's something Ooh.
3: there.
0: I'm just saying. Congratulations. Yeah, listen. He probably grew up with hella MAGA parents and hella Republican ass parents. He was a child getting (laughs) force-fed propaganda. He said one, he made a couple dumb tweets. And ever ever since he's been a great teammate. All right. A couple, a couple. been once a a Super Bowl so
1: bad. A couple.
0: Listen, man, no one likes Cap more than me. All right. This is hard for me. I am a bleeding heart liberal. But the kid has grown. He's a hey, good teammate.
4: Hey, I'm just not he's, going to ask. He's doing the work, JP. I'm just not going to ask where the Bosa's whereabouts were on a certain date in 2022 or It's January, just, man.
0: You know that they're practicing.
4: <laughs> Joey Bosa
0: might not. <laughs> when well, is, not. When has Joey Bosa been practicing listen, in man, January? Listen, man. Hey, if I was if I was judged by my brother, come on. Like, listen. You know, family. Family's hard. Family's hard, you grow up. You can't choose where you grow up. You either, know, way, either way. You, put, just, you can't choose how your fit your parents use bedsheets. That's not up to you. Hey, hey, look. I'm just
4: saying his parents ain't the ones that sit the tweets. He's a child! <laughs> I was be- a child.
0: Listen, man. I don't mean I'm doing that shit. Listen, man. You didn't know any better. You grew up with good parents. He grew up with a his parents would probably tried to stick him with steroids when he was seven. It's not the and same. What is happening? So either they probably way- had him watching American History X and turned it off halfway through every like every Sunday. <laughs> oh my god. Either way it goes, I just think that the
4: road for the Lions becomes harder now and the thought of just saying like yeah we'll just run it back with everybody we we don't have to just we don't have to improve on anything we'll just hope the young guys get better that's how you end up being the Jaguars where you you hope yeah. everybody gets better and you still can't win within those margins and you end up in the exact same spot that you were
0: I do, think the, I do
4: think and that the, the Lions and the Chiefs were
3: a- forward yeah. enough to take Mah- you know to trade up to take Mahomes mm-hmm. to to at least give themselves an opportunity to have an out if they weren't able to keep doing the Alex Smith eleven and five you know maybe win a playoff game or whatever right like yeah. I think I think that's what what the Lions are going to have to consider here uh, you know if they want to make that same type of gamble
4: exactly like Chase love you hidden hooker ain't it.
1: That's, we don't know that he hasn't played. The man's I lost also, all the teeth, and he's still out here vibing. I don't think
3: I've ever seen someone be inactive before for a tooth, but uh, that, you know, I hope that, that man I hope is. He's doing okay. That man is forty-eight years old and came from
4: a Mickey Mouse offense.
1: <laughs> That's that okay, not 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 nice. And he's just a winner. Many are saying one of the best leaders to come out of uh, the NFL draft in recent years. But you no, know what? Hey, maybe you
0: know what? You know what? Hey, listen, you yeah. like you like mid boring ass quarterbacks. Maybe you can join Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. No, I would love
1: <laughs> I would have loved to have Hendon Hooker as my quarterback. I, know, I would love for Hendon Hooker to be my leader of my football team for many, many years. Just an absolute delight. Love Hendon Hooker. It's, just, it's gonna But no, be hard. he lost four teeth. He got hit in the face by Dallas Turner three years ago, his first year at Tennessee. People don't Gino, realize that.
0: Geno first off, Geno Smith. Mm. Geno Smith got a broken jaw. He didn't that didn't stop him. Well, I'm just saying
1: he didn't stop. T- Hooker played the rest of the game. Like, it, it was casual. Uh, somebody else on Tennessee actually re- unveiled. Un- he was like, yeah, no, he actually got knocked. And he just kept going. So, the man, I'm, I'm concerned about how many fake teeth. He's like a hockey player at this point. But, um, no, look. Hendon, he'll be fine. He's going to get a yeah. shot. They're going to let Hendon compete for that job.
4: Compete for what? Okay. Uh, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see what the Lions do with the golf contract because like Tej said, there is and there's opportunity here if not this year then next year where you can potentially build up to go draft that next guy after golf if you want to prepare for that inevitability. but right now where they're sitting at 29 I don't think they can you know with what's still some of the holes that they have defensively they're they need another pass rusher they they need, love Jack Campbell. He's an off-ball linebacker. We got we yeah. got to stop with him at edge. James Houston is a pass rusher. They need an every-down guy. They need a lot of help at corner because a you lot know of who guys else? You guys be- know,
0: – You know who else needed help at corner and edge? The 49ers. The Lions can follow the blueprint. You mean, yeah, you can
4: just sign Jervais Ward and
0: go – Maybe not to, that blueprint. Yeah. I mean
3: I – mean, Well, no, I mean, yes, have, but not
0: literally Ward.
3: When you have Fred Warner, it covers up for a lot of, uh, a lot yeah, of, just, uh, just tell so Fred Warner well, to go play
0: corner. It's like, all right, <laughs> man, you'd be the best corner in football. Well, you know, and, and then we also got Drake Greenlaw, who's like, yeah, yeah,
4: it's like trying to replicate the 49ers is pretty hard.
1: Um, Tej, the most telling result was who for you between the two? Who do you think told a bigger story of, like, oh,
0: For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but
2: getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10 percent on your first month that's better help
1: boost this team more than i more than the other uh game between the two commerce title games what do you think was the more telling result about where a team actually was based on what happened on sunday
3: that's a great question too um i i think it's the ravens and like sp- specifically hmm. the ravens offense like Like, you know, like JP mentioned, Mike McDonald was awesome, especially after the first two drives, like really shut down the Chiefs offense. But like, when you look at the Ravens offense and they had so much success this year with this new iteration of this high-end passing attack with Todd Munkin leading the way and Lamar just showing a ton of improvement of what he's able to do in the pocket and and when when he moves outside of the pocket and Zay Flowers coming in. And, uh, you know, they just show that they're still a little bit away from having – a very, very good passing attack that can maybe compete with a good defense on, on like a tough day like that. And I think that when Odell Beckham doesn't get a target until the second half and, you know, you don't, you you can't expect much from Nelson Aguilar, but like he doesn't have a a great game or like the, the secondary receivers just weren't there for the Ravens yesterday. And like, I think that's why like they still will have to retool some of that room going into next season just because of that.
4: I think the most disappointing thing was the lack of answers Todd Munkin and hmm. Co. kind of came up with it at halftime. Because the thing that they did against Houston, it look, they adjusted in the second half. You, Lamar was getting blitzed a lot. Okay, we'll throw the quick game against the Chiefs. If you're not going, to, if you're going to choose not to run the ball one, and choose not to throw the quick game, and just make everything twenty yards downfield that's playing directly into what the Chiefs want you to do. You, hmm. are, you are making your offense one-dimensional. You have you have to find ways to be efficient outside of the high-variance downfield passing attack. Like you, The lack of adjustment. I think Lamar also had a very up-and-down game. I think he played yeah. – he tried to will a lot of throws. He tried to will somebody open. Like he, tr- he tried to force it. I think a lot he was trying to force passes downfield because there was nothing else. There was no other option. There was no check down. It is either 20 yards or I got to throw this away. I think he could have scrambled a lot more. I thought it was weird that he just decided not to run in this game and not use his legs. But the overall lack of adjustments on the offensive side of the ball was really, really kind of disappointing to me, especially because, again, after the first drive by the Chiefs, The Ravens completely adjusted.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
4: I I think
1: it was... To the same uh, same thing that y'all have said about the Ravens adjustments. Because Todd Monken has just been an elite play caller at the collegiate and NFL level for years now. Like, he's just never really had any issues. And, I mean, you go to the NFL and it's just... They don't miss a beat. He doesn't miss a beat. Like, he had Georgia absolutely humming. He turned Stetson Bennett... Into a Heisman finalist and had Georgia just destroying people any way he wanted to last year. And the year prior, really, this year he has Lamar at an MVP type level. He's able to get, turn this team into something that Greg Roman just couldn't do. And to see him just kind of go the way he did, where like friends, my Georgia friends who are tweeting and they're like, I just don't really recognize what Monkin's doing here. Where like Monkin. Seemed like he just called a bad second half, and like it speaks yeah. to what you said at the top, JP, where it's like the passes, just the lack of running, just the it all felt like they were in their own head, and Monken just seemed like he did not call a. You just couldn't have a a situation where Monken has an off day, and it just felt like Monken had an off day at the worst possible time. Where like that, that I just we haven't seen it in so long that I've just to it's a testament to how good todd monken has been as a play caller for years now but we've never seen him just get completely stumped and just uh eviscerated mm-hmm. like that uh by a, by an opposing team anybody else yeah.
0: feel like hearing the word monken that many times like made the name sound really weird monken mm. monken monken <laughs> monkin Mon- monken it's a very monken. football
4: coach name it, like, is. You know, it if, is. If it your is. name's Todd Munkin, you are only a football coach. I don't well, he's
1: he's a family of coaches. Like there's multiple. Uh, I think his brother. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a whole family. You, it's a
4: family if business. If your last name is Monken, like you got to be a football coach. Like it, that's yeah. a football ass football coach name. Like, <laughs>
0: that, that's all you do. you coach. <laughs> ball. I don't even have a joke for that. Like I agree. Like I tried to think of other things, and no. Also, the previous
1: coach. OC Greg Roman. That's a coach. That's a football coach. Greg Roman.
0: Dog. Poor poor justin herbert please dear god don't <laughs> is that the favorite to get the job i mean it's, people nah, were, i mean think nah. about it like think about it i i was surprised fangio mm. went to the eagles
3: closer to home yeah i fangio's thought they wanted to get philly. the band back together
4: fangio's from philly and he wanted to be closer to home they're they're reuniting <laughs> the most italian uh <laughs> coaches in football in philadelphia <laughs> They I got mean, Big Dom that. back, Clint Hurt on the sideline. Big Dom and Clint Hurt
0: looking like the double. W- Clint Hurt
1: is gigantic. I will Again. say this
0: the Eagles are going to ma- win less games next year. Mm. Again, Clint Hurt, football
4: last football coach. Yeah. That, that's a ball. That, coach, picture, right? of him, that, picture, that picture of him is him insane.
3: That picture is no. crazy. That he is, is gigantic.
0: He is either going to be a football coach or a country singer. That man, Mm. that man coaches ball. That is the only thing that he knows what he wants to do. He wants to coach ball and talk ball. He's a big boy.
1: JP, what was the more surprising result of the conference title games? Was it the Chiefs winning or was it the Niners winning for you?
4: you? I going into this going into the games, I thought Baltimore would win. But I I had a feeling that if the Chiefs were able to put together a performance like they did, the Chiefs would win. Mm. I didn't think the Niners would win the way they did. I think that's the most surprising thing of the week.
0: Yeah, I think the answer is the Niners winning in spite of the way they started. Yeah, in, in spite of looking abysmal
4: defensively in the first half, they found answers. They found answers offensively. And I think the second half adjustment of telling Brock Purdy, hey, you can run, which is, again, the biggest difference between Brock Purdy and Jimmy G is Brock Purdy has the chaos meter in his head turned up. Jimmy G's chaos meter was broken. He only he only cooks by the book. He is a paint-by-numbers quarterback. Brock Purdy won't paint-by-numbers sometimes. Sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing but you got brock purdy's gonna paint
0: paint my uh 360 bring it on your ass yeah brock purdy is that was wild that he did that that was insane
4: brock purdy is going to again he's got free bird playing in his head sometimes you just you got to live with it you got you got to roll with it with brock purdy he's gonna throw passes to defenders that hit them in the face but his, <laughs> uh, his ability to scramble and use his legs and create is what makes him different from other Shanahan acolyte quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, that yeah. that is the big separator. That's what turns this offense from being great with Jimmy G to being one of the most efficient offenses we've seen with Brock Purdy. He is able to lean into the chaos a little bit without necessarily going completely off the deep end of chaos which he has done like he he does like in the first half of the lions game he went off the deep end into the chaos but being able to temper that with the time the timely scrambles on third down when they play man Mm -hmm. that was the big thing
3: you think about like and evan i'm sure you can probably relate to this more than i can but like if jimmy g got pressured you would hold your breath and you just hope that nothing bad would happen when Purdy gets pressured, like, you know, chances are like, you know, when any quarterback gets pressured, it's usually not going to turn out well, but like there is the path for them to do something on that play. And like, you know, the, the play where he hit, uh, you know, use check for, I think it was for a first down on the sideline or you know, just tough. different plays like that. I think like was, was what separate hit him from, I from mean, the other quarterbacks that JP was talking about.
0: Your point is valid. And what I would say and add to that is- every time that we watch as a 49ers fan brock purdy you know that moment happens like the tension that we feel has nothing to do with brock purdy it's all about you know the, the jimmy g's the the colin kaepernick's the alex smith's like like everything brock purdy has the only way i can equate to it is like being in a toxic relationship and then the next person you date is perfect and you just still like it's hard to relax and settle in cuz you're like I know they're perfect but like oh my that's what it's like like Brock Purdy has given you no reason to think ever that something bad's going to happen he just makes plays i mean Brock Purdy is undefeated in the playoffs in games that he's finished
1: i mean <laughs> did i answer so, the question <laughs> that that's the other part of it have y'all we'll end here has y'all's opinion of Brock Purdy changed at all based on what he's done in the last two playoff games? Has, has your belief in what he can be ultimately? Well, let me his say this. capabilities? And, yes.
0: Um, let me say this and then, then I think they should add on top of that. I feel like the last two playoff games have given the final pieces to the puzzle. puzzle. I've seen him be efficient. I've seen him, you know, run the offense the way it's supposed to be run. I've seen him make plays, but now I've seen him back-to-back in really tough games go in and come back and lead the team to win both times. So, I like, the only thing I need to see him do next is win the Super Bowl. My opinion of Brock
4: Purdy has not changed, and (laughs) I think it is largely because (laughs) we do this thing with quarterbacks where they are either – tom brady or they're not they ain't shit. and we've done that with Brock purdy where he is either elite or he is the worst quarterback alive there is a gray area there where he can just he can just be fine he can just be yeah. good he can just be a good quarterback like i think we've gone too far into the oh he sucks and too far into the oh he's elite one of the three best quarterbacks in football My opinion of Brock Purdy hasn't changed. I think he, like I said before, the things that he does are different from the other previous Shanahan quarterbacks. And that chaos is what makes, that's what makes this 49ers offense. That's what raises the ceiling of the offense. You know, with Jimmy G and the other previous quarterbacks in the Shanahan offense, the ceiling has always been capped because you knew under pressure, Jimmy G was going to turn into a pumpkin. And he was going to do that little spin around thing in the pocket and then just fall Brock Purdy is going to spin around in the pocket and do really stupid stuff. But sometimes it's going to work and leaning into that chaos is what kind of elevates that 49ers ceiling. So he can just be fine. He can just like going into the season. He was, he's fine. Like he's a fine quarterback.
3: Mm-hmm. exactly yeah no that's exactly what I was gonna say
4: I like it so
1: final thing here as we uh Tej you will uh, uh you've been great here but now that uh we've talked it all through what is your what's your pick for Chiefs Niners in Vegas in two weeks oh
3: man <laughs> uh let me so just kind of thinking it out of my head because I haven't really picked someone, I guess, yet with it being so early in the week here. Um, you know, I think, again, like what I said earlier, where you go by anything, like the 49ers have been the better team this season, but it's just so hard to pick against these these hyper-specific things that happen to the Chiefs in the playoffs. So I'm going to lean Chiefs in this game uh, just because you don't want to be the, on the wrong side of picking against Mahomes. Sorry, Evan. I, I think that's just where I'm at right now. <laughs> I, I totally I totally get it. I mean,
0: you know, I will say this. The 49ers, every time that they've really had a chance of getting to the Super Bowl, I've always been like, they've got this wild defense, and this defense is what's going to give them a chance to win, right? You think about going back to Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis and Alden Smith, Justin Smith, all the way now to, to you know, Nick Bosa, obviously, and Fred Warner and things like that. I don't know if the defense is what will win this game if the 49ers win. And so it's it's really uncharted territory for me. I think I think the the bad guy at the end, you know, in the dark smoke coming out of the, you know, uh, into into the the shot, like I think Patrick Mahomes is all the same. The Chiefs are a little bit different this year, but the Chiefs are still the same. It's Patrick Mahomes is the guy that you got to beat. So I don't know if I can say that I think the 49ers are going to win. I think they have a chance to win, and they're going to have to be perfect to do it. So, last Well, do we want to
1: save... Hold on, JP and Evan. I was gonna, I was giving it to Tej here, because Tej uh, will not be back. We, we loved having you this week, but Jared should be back next week, Tej. So, I was getting his on record here, but I wanted to give you all a week before throwing your official ones on the, the official I'm,
4: preview show next I'm week. I'm not throwing my official one okay. out there, but I just... I cannot get last year's game with between the Niners and the Chiefs out of my head from oh, a off, from a Chiefs offense versus Niners defense standpoint. The Chiefs scored 44 points and Patrick Mahomes posted a 28.1 total EPA.
0: We had the injuries though. This, this, this we did have injuries.
4: Again, these two te- these two teams are very different. But you're facing a better Patrick Mahomes. And Andy Reid with two weeks to prepare for this defense that he is already carved like a Thanksgiving turkey. I I don't know, man. Yeah. I,
3: well, just like you said. Yeah, you just you just gave me uh, the fifteen minute highlight game highlight video I watch every night before bed. This will be the one I will have to watch tonight. Then is the the Chiefs forty nine ers game right. last year. That's <laughs> right.
4: Like Evan said, you you got to face the bad guy in the smoke. This is. This is the anime boss. This is,
3: yeah, it this really is the final is. boss. Like you Yeah.
4: <laughs> you gotta beat that guy first.
3: I mean I love it. Yeah.
1: Um Taj, what can the good folks check out from you all across the internet this week?
3: Yeah, I appreciate you uh you letting me do this and, and coming on and promoting some of my stuff. So I do a a weekly podcast with my friend Sean Sayed called Stats and Scheme that you can find every Tuesday on the Sumer Sports show feed and then if you go to sumersports.com um we are gonna have a super bowl preview pdf up on monday next monday so uh be sure to check that out as well
1: i love it i love it uh jp what about you over at sbnation.com
3: yeah so i'm
4: gonna be working a lot on nfl draft stuff with the senior bowl being in mobile this week gonna be watching a lot of senior bowl content even though i won't be there uh, gonna be prepping a lot for the Super Bowl. Um, I will be in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl next week. Are you really? Yeah, I will. I'll be headed out to the Super Bowl, hoping to do some pretty cool content. Where from are you there. staying? Uh, I'm staying off the strip. I'm not staying in the Dorito Hotel, which I am very <laughs>
0: sad about. But <laughs> it's such a tra- it's such a trash can. Be happy.
4: I kind of I kind of just want to go. Kind of it's kind of like the uh, Bass Pro Shops pyramid for me like I just I just Memphis,
0: to, yeah be able to see it. it's 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 genuinely one of the worst hotels in Vegas it's a trash can I can't believe. are you it. going
1: Evan? not even think about this are you playing are you gonna get tickets
0: I mean you know it's the end of the podcast people might not be listening uh you know I I think I think uh if someone wants to send this uh poor little child this poor little orphan to the Super Bowl <laughs> I'm down uh but man dude it's like 12 grand. It's twelve grand because it's eight wow. grand plus the fees and all that. Like it's literally twelve grand to go, and that's like crazy. I, one that's crazy, insane. Like just in general, like I make good money, and that's still insane. But like I can't pay twelve grand when Patrick Mahomes is the person you got to beat. <laughs> what are the you know what I mean? Like I can't do that because the, I, I'm not so like a the well Lions. Adjusted.
1: If the Lions or excuse me, if the Ravens had won, you, you're going. No question.
0: Oh, if it was the ravens i don't know i'd be scared about that too they beat the shit out of the niners earlier this year so what's the what's the quarterback threshold here like who who is the quarterback where
4: you stop and be like okay i'll go to this one
0: i mean like the jordan loves of the world i'm going uh i think josh allen i would have gone that that interception throwing clown wherever uh wherever jared is wherever jared is you're all like oh my god i'm sad that jared jared and me have not been on the same podcast josh allen is a fraud um <laughs> i don't even know this that true and the
3: podcast content right here he's, yeah, he's, yeah. yeah i mean he's doing he's he's, I doing, mean, I mean, but he's literally, doing the like, right to now me,
0: to me literally though it would have been like anybody but the ravens and the Chiefs. i would be <laughs> like you know it's a hard sell man like you, like 12 grand is a lot of money i don't that got 12 grand in savings that's a lot of money
4: to potentially yeah. like have your heart ripped out. In That's front of what I'm saying. I'm We need to get person. Evan a
1: media pass because Evan reacting in media row would be unbelievable. Like just startling, <laughs> content. like just startling all the just beat writers and everybody else. Just like trying to file. And Evan's just like grabbing
0: them. Like we won the Super Bowl and George, just like, their Kittle, over Kittle, the Kittle, edge. Her, could you please shotgun a white claw with me right now? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
4: Running down onto the field <laughs> as the Niners is celebrating. Like, sorry, I priorities here.
0: With my media pass?
4: That's <laughs> fine.
1: Yeah. That's what we really need to do. That's the best way is getting Evan a media pass to the Super Bowl. We need to find a way to do that. and just That's yeah. just trem- tremendous content, Evan as a media member uh, for the, the week Hashtag
4: up. get Evan to the Super Bowl. Let's get that trending.
1: Let's do it. Evan yeah. Tej JP, thank you so much for the time. JP, Evan, I'll see you next week on our Super Bowl preview show. Tej, we'll have to have you on again soon. You were fantastic, as always. Uh, Sorry about the Lions once again, but hey, you never know. They might get back. Maybe Dan Campbell's reverse psychology here gets them them into gear, and they they bounce back, and they don't take the offseason lightly. But either way, thank you all, and uh, I'll talk to you all very soon. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Atlanta Sports Guys, where I'm still one of the three Atlanta Sports Guys on this very program. Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything school HQ, America's College Sports City, up there in Washington, DC. Pedea Python legend Max Markovic is back this week. M- Max, good uh good evening, sir. How are you?
5: Back this week. Was there last week too? I'm i um, I'm still here
1: hey you're here you're you back this week like it's but be- you're more of a right. two for like you're more of a rare two for two than garrett is so to get you back to back it we have to make note that <laughs> uh, we made it into max margovich's google calendar and back to back week it's it's a big time Grace. um also here after a little bit away 19 on the games do it all man 247 sports garrett chapman garrett good evening sir how are you
2: oh, fantastic man busy busy so get up but you know what life is good man it's a like- Er, I, I, was, uh, I met Ernie Johnson last week, and, and he's he, what he always calls it is is the get to job, mm-hmm. and it is the it, that's honestly the best way to describe it. It's not a got to, it's a get to. So how's Ernie? Life is good. Do you life like is him? Good. I like Ernie. Ernie is Ernie is the the kindest soul that I've ever met. Like he is such a good dude. It's good to hear. Such a it's good, good to dude. hear.
1: Um. Well, since we last recorded, um, let the record show I was right on this very program. Max was wrong as. Well- you were we play back right. the Atlanta sports guys from a week ago where we made our final predictions on who the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons would be. And I said Raheem Morris and Max Markovic said Bill Belichick on this very program. And lo and behold, only one of us came out on top. And you that was myself.
5: Out. What? You put two names out.
1: No, but you made me pick. And I was like, all right, then I'm going to go Raheem. I you did make right. me
5: pick. I think you're right. You're right. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: And I had him or, uh, or uh, Aaron Glenn, but it ended up being uh, Raheem Morris. And look, I mean, that's what we're doing here on this show. So we're going to talk all things uh, Raheem Morris here. Max Markovich, your immediate reaction to Raheem Morris when it happened versus where you are with it now that you've seen the staff kind of trickle out here and had some more time to reflect on not ultimately going the Bill Belichick route. Um, Terry Fontenot and Raheem Morris now p- reporting directly to uh Arthur Blank not Rich McKay and Rich McKay now going over to the Atlanta United because uh, it was just such a weird um weird situation um at the top here but by and large what uh, what's changed for you and what was your immediate reaction
5: well i think if you asked any any of the three of us at the beginning of the coaching cycle and said Falcons are going to hire Raheem Morris what do you think uh, mm. I don't know that any of us would have jumped out of our chairs in excitement,
1: mm.
5: but as the process went on and it became clear that they were interested in him as a Belichick alternative in that realm, I thought about it more, did more research, looked into it more. I'm in. Um, I'm mm. not like I'm not like this is definitely going to succeed, but I'm in based on a lot of factors that I think you never know if a coach is going to work. Right. Um, but I think for a guy who has coached, basically every position on the football field, um, has succeeded with those rooms, uh, is beloved, was endorsed by Mike Tomlin, Kyle Shanahan, um, and Sean McVay, who are three of the five best coaches in the NFL. Um, who knows Atlanta knows ownership, uh, has been here. Mm -hmm. Um, He's probably going to be more of a CEO type, but I think did a really good job with that Rams defense last year, which was, you know, bereft of talent, I would say. Uh, I developed two really strong rookie defensive ends on that team. I'm in. Uh I think he's very likable. I think that the fan he's someone the fans will get behind. Uh, I think rather quickly. I think after I, I did a lot of like listening to old podcasts he was on and various stuff like that. I mean, he's he's impossible not to root for. Like, he's a guy, if, if, if you, sort of the antithesis of Arthur Smith in the sense of like, the guy's personality is going to make everyone want him to succeed. And I think also based off that experience, um, he's got a great hiring network. And I think one of the things you worry about, Chase, we talked about this last week, when you don't hire that offensive whiz kid, play caller type, is that, If you bring in that type, which Raheem is, uh, to his credit, Zach Robinson well regarded everyone wanted him, and he succeeds, you're going to lose him. Every offensive coordinator has turned over since 2022, every single one in the entire NFL. That is the number one concern. But for a guy who has coached with every great coach uh, for decades now, I think I believe in his hiring network. Like You're you're pulling from the Shanahan-McVay-Tomlin realm. And I think that that's encouraging. So who knows? Who knows if it'll work out? I don't think you would have been able to say with certainty on any of these guys. But I'm in.
1: Garrett, do you share Max's optimism about it?
2: Yeah. No, I think he's. I, I mean, you guys know me. I'm an eternal optimist, <laughs> for better or for worse. But you know, like just optimism we aside, the Hawks don't even get me started on the Hawks. I, I've lost my my can't. I I might have a little bit more candor on that one, but the. <laughs> this is a great hire. I think it's, I, I like it for a lot of reasons. It's It's not, I think what I tweeted at the time is like, it's not a sexy hire, but it has a chance to be a really, really good hire because if they go out and nail the offensive coordinator and go get a quarterback, then they're going to be fine. Because at the end of the day, it's like you can be the greatest coach in the NFL a lot, Bill Belichick. And if you screw up the quarterback position, you're not going to win football games. That's just, at the end of the day, this is where we are in the NFL. This is just the status that exists. I mean, this is your, that's your bar. You have to figure out the quarterback position. And um, look, the Falcons have a pretty good football team outside of the quarterback. And I think if they, whoever that guy is, whether it's Kirk cousins or Justin Fields or or Caleb Williams or or Drake May, Jaden Daniels, I don't, I don't care who it is. Just get it right. And if you get that right, Zach Robinson comes in and he, he's the guy that a lot of people expect him to be. This is gonna be a great hire because he's a CEO type. Like Max said, Players love him. I, I, I'm fortunate enough to know one of his former players, and I was going back and forth with him and talking about like what kind of dude we're getting in Atlanta. Of course, we already know him from his time in Atlanta, and the players who were here adored him. I mean, as soon as he got the job, Muhammad Sanu was on with 11 Alive talking about how he's just such a great coach, and he's doing X, Y, and Z, and like, the players love him. And like Jalen Ramsey went on the record and talk, was started to talk about how he's the best coach in the NFL. And, and the guy who I talked to specifically said, X's and O's wise and just being around him. He's the best coach he's ever had. And like, that's really high praise, you know? And it's, it's more the fact that it was consistent across the board. Mike Tomlin, Max, you mentioned Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin said he was the best coach in the NFL. That wasn't a head coach. You know? I mean, that's, that's no small thing. You know, Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches that has been in the league for the last 20 years. And like, you have that guy saying those, making those comments about you. So at the end of the day, it's like, it doesn't, none of it matters if you don't figure out the quarterback. Like if they don't get a good quarterback who can run this offense and lead us to some level of success, nothing's mad. Nothing else matters. And I think at the end of the day, I like Raheem Morris. He's going to be easy to cheer for. I think he's going to work great with the media, which selfishly makes me feel good. And then the players are going to love him and they're going to rally around him and I'm excited about the prospect. We'll see what it actually ends up doing, but I I, I smell something big coming at the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I just have a feeling because Terry Fontenot knows that it needs to work out with this guy because the writing's on the wall, just based off of Arthur Blank's previous stints, I guess, uh, our general managers. They have one shot, just like Thomas Dimitrov. You have, one co- you have your first coach, he gets ousted. Then you have the second coach, and that's your opportunity, and if you fail that opportunity, then you're out out the door with the next coach. But they got to do it, and I think it, they got to figure out the quarterback position. I,
5: I've been thinking a little bit about why this is a uh, – Garrett's right. I mean, I don't think anyone would say this is a sexy name hire. But why? You know, like, I think that it goes back to the fact that he got a head coaching job a little too early that he was set up to fail in. Uh, and then went 10-6 and six with Josh Freeman, and then the wheels fell off, right? Josh and, Freeman. I think that when you get pegged as like the dreaded retread label, you know that that tenure was a failure by his own admission. But he was like in his early thirties. This was fifteen years ago. You know, like Mm. he's an entire football life since then, and he he was part of that Washington staff that had McVay, Lafleur, all those guys. Like he was on the Falcons, like he's, he's had an entire coaching tenure since then. And I think to, to like hold your assessment of his hire based off of how things went in Tampa Bay would be like insane. Um, And I think under a lot of other circumstances, it it would be like, he would have been hired five to seven years ago. I think if it weren't for that tenure, Um, he probably would have been the Falcons permanent head coach uh, after Dan Quinn left, right? Um, so, I, you know, I, it's right. Everything comes down to the quarterback. Um, but I think there's no reason really not to be optimistic at this stage.
2: Also, I'll have you all know, Jimmy Lake just became official. So he's going to be the next defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. Alongside Zach Robinson.
1: That's the thing. So we talked coming in where part of the reason I was growing warmer to the possibility of bobby slowick not just because of the offensive success from uh the shanahan tree which is just very ripe and just a lot of a lot of success uh streaming from that tree the andy reed tree there are certain spots where you're like i'm just more comfortable going more of a look take a flyer to mike mcdaniel type of Bobby, Slo- i understand he's very young this and the other sean McVay was extremely young when he got this the los angeles rams job he won a super bowl it worked out pretty well now they're not the same, but I was warming up to that idea, but he's young. He hasn't been calling plays very long. He hasn't been like, I understood why you don't hand him the case, but you did two interviews. Who knows how close that would have been. Raheem, I think Max, your point is well taken in terms of like the record from early on in Tampa where he was <laughs> the 10 and six year with Josh Freeman. And like that situation was just not great. And he was super young and he's been working behind the scenes as a DC and bounced around for a while. I, I think he's worthy of another job. I think the continuity makes a lot more sense. You feel better that Rich McKay is not the final decision maker here. Um, I think if you're a Falcons fan, so Terry Fontenot bounces right back in uh, to the fold. And we've had our opinion, like we're pretty, still pretty mixed on Terry Fontenot at this point. Like he's had some wins and had some losses. Um, we'll see. I do think fans get a little bit, it's Falcons fans who, look, there's a lot to criticize about Arthur Smith. But one of the things that I think is, Lost on some casual fans, and Garrett, you're now covering college football and tech very closely. You see this too, like the idea that Kirby Smart was a running backs coach. So when you saw that TJ Yates got moved to quarterback coach today, people were like, oh, even like, how did Arthur Smith not move Yates from wide receiver? It's like, look, man, like a lot of coaches, if, even if the you, ones you're on, like Kirby ball. Smart. If you know ball, you know ball. Yes, you move around. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like people are jumping. Morris flips. Yeah, but he
2: Morris all over the place. Yeah, it just was a passing game coordinator, (laughs) right? Like it's just not even it wasn't just running backs coach. You know, he he wasn't just a graduate assistant who coached tight ends or something. No, so fans, fans don't get way up in arms about Arthur Smith.
1: (laughs) Now, if you want to get on Smith for not having a quarterback's coach altogether, that's fair. When you were putting all your eggs in the Desmond Ritter basket, then yes, I could understand that. But in terms of TJ Yates getting moved over, it's not like an indictment on Smith, whatever. But Raheem gets some continuity, I think. It makes sense with him and Terry. I like that combination. I think Terry and Raheem and R- Raheem's last couple of years in LA, like getting to work next to McVay it, it, in our text thread, what we felt better about Raheem was that he might hire an offensive coordinator from the Shanahan tree. So if you weren't going to hire Slowick, you hire someone, a defensive mind, like a D'Amico Ryans or um, somebody of that ilk who has been around elite offenses in this sport and are going to hire well, because yeah. That is so important because offense just wins in this league. The major reason that the Lions had this run is because Ben Johnson became one of the best play callers in the NFL. And we'll see what life looks like if he ends up taking the Washington job now that the Lions season is over. But I just look at him like Zach Robinson. We don't know how he'll be as a offensive coordinator. That's a good hire, though. That is a good stab. Like, I'll go down in flames for that one. Like, that's fine. Like, all of it's made sense to me. Where Mm -hmm. Jimmy Lake, like, it's a big jump up to NFL DC. I've seen a lot of really good Jimmy Lake college defenses. I've seen a lot. uh, I mean, he's coming from the Rams tree, and they've had really good defenses the last couple years. Like, obviously, Aaron Donald and company. But Jalen Ramsey, you mentioned high praise. I think, by and large, the staff looks good. I think it looks less of a mess between like top down from organizational structure. It makes a whole lot more sense. I think the only doom and gloom side of it or not doom and gloom, but the, maybe the only cause room for reason for caution maybe is the quarterback thing, which I agree with, but also is it a Dennis Allen situation where Dennis Allen was super young when he got that Raiders job and he was bad. And then he got <clears throat> the Saints job after waiting as a really good DC for many years, and he's been okay, but part like he's okay. Like the Saints aren't terrible, but like he hasn't been a home run higher. So there is like this, it's not like Raheem Morris is like a guaranteed floor raiser and that the Falcons are gonna be okay and he's gonna be this uh great upgrade. I think what's maybe most telling, and I don't know if y'all agree with this, the Falcons, did y'all see the Super Bowl odds for 2025 that came out today on Bet uh, Online? The, the Falcons middle. are ahead of the Browns. Falcons are ahead of, I I forgot who the other big team is. They're 33
2: to one. Yeah. That screams to me they are trading
1: for a veteran quarterback. The reason those odds are right there just screams, I don't know if it it screams Justin Fields to me. It screams that's where this feels like it's heading. I don't think Kirk Cousins is a match. I don't think they're going to give him the dollar amount that he's looking for. This is either Russell Wilson or Justin Fields to me. Everything about this screams veteran quarterback and they're not, and they're just going to take a, edge guy at eight. That I don't know if y'all agree.
5: I think it makes agree. a lot of sense. I agree. Um I think it sort of depends on what Zach Robinson wants though. And we don't mm. we don't fully know. I think you can make the mistake sometimes of assuming like hey, he's coming from the Rams, they have Stafford, maybe he'll want Cousins. You know, like I I don't think that's really like coaches have their own vision for this mm-hmm. offense and like I think Fields could make sense, but I don't know enough about Zach Robinson to say. Mm-hmm. I do think that Falcons are in a really tough spot with this quarterback thing. And like people talk about this as if they have full agency over the guy they want, like, Hey, if they just want to trade up enough, they can No, like that takes a partner. And I don't, you know, we talked about this a little last week, but like, I don't think any of, as of right now, I don't think any of those top three teams would trade their pick. And I think all of them will take a quarterback. And if that's the case, you can't just say trade up for Jaden Daniels. It's it's not. It it has to be a give and take. Mm-hmm. And if that's that option is not available, what are you left with? You're left with Cousins off a major injury. You're left with Fields. Um, you're left with Tannehill, and you know, like, then what? Um. So I think I agree with you, but I I don't. It's not like they have like a. The other option, I think, is to sign a veteran and then pair him with another young guy. If you really like a Penix or a McCarthy or a Bo Nix or whatever, like that's also on the table. So I don't know.
2: I mean, you could also look at Baker Mayfield. That's that's a very realistic option. Um, a guy who has not received the new contract with the the, the Bucks as of right now. That's likely going to change. I expect that to change. But Zach Robinson coached him out in L.A. You know, mm-hmm. so you already have a little bit of familiarity familiarity there between those two. It it wasn't sexy, and again, it's like it's okay, but that's somebody who could at least stabilize your organization. And and you've seen flashes of really good quarterback play from Baker. Never really something that's super consistent, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's better than Desmond Ritter. Um, and I, well, there's I think, no
1: chance it's Ritter, right? Like we all no, agree. there. I, I can't imagine around. it's Ritter. Ritter's
2: no, it's over. No. I, I I'm sorry, he doesn't need to be the guy. Um I expect them to make two moves at quarterback. I I don't know. If Arthur Smith was still here, Desmond would have been retained just as a backup quarterback, just by and large for that reason. But I don't see why you keep Desmond Ritter necessarily, outside of just being a backup.
5: But he's under contract. The bummer is, like, you'd really like to go into next season either feeling like, one, we have a quarterback who can help us compete for a Super Bowl right now, or two, we have the long-term answer at quarterback right and splitting that down the middle feels tenuous like baker is sort of splitting that down the middle i don't think the falcons will with baker uh he raises the floor of the offense no doubt but he's also not the answer long term um that's why i'm sold on justin fields um if because if zach robinson is who we think he is who everyone around the nfl seems to think he is and he turns justin fields into like a you know a tier above what he is right now that can be your answer long term um it's 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 not the same thing but it's it's i think somewhat akin to a, a Jared Goff type reclamation project um and it's where the where the like Goff wasn't a like you know fringe starter when he was traded to Detroit he was always a starting caliber quarterback mm-hmm. um the question is like how good can that be and Detroit's going to extend Goff I, otherwise, like I just—is Cousins splitting the difference there, or is he a? Can you win a Super Bowl with Cousins? I don't, I, it gets really iffy. Achilles so injury—I just don't trust it. For the amount of money that he's
2: going to command, I, he's off the table for me. But yeah. it's like a draft day trade of Justin Fields to Atlanta would would reinvigorate this city. It really would. That's it would really bring some excitement and
5: some intrigue. Especially if it
1: only costs a second. Like it if the rumors it, are it, true, I'm that not it, paying it'll it'll be, it'll be, first. I'm yeah, not paying it'll it'll be, first. Yeah, That's all.
5: Uh uh Ridley's gonna re-sign with Jacksonville and that's gonna be a sec- an extra be an extra section, second. Yeah. Oh so, I would do a second and a fifth, maybe. Second and a fourth, maybe. And you would think like the other thing is you would think Fields would want to come to Atlanta. Uh, uh, and you would think Chicago would at least, if if the offers are comparable, Chicago would at least try to accommodate Fields who have been super, you know, I think friendly to that organization through all this kind of murkiness. Um mm-hmm. I think it makes sense. Um and I, it would excite me. If if I saw today Falcons trade second round pick for Justin Fields, I'd be like, let's go. I think it makes sense. I, I mean it, it'd be exciting. And it'd be cautiously
2: day,
1: optimistic, be. right? Like yeah. you'd be cautious about it. Where <clears throat> if it works, it wouldn't surprise like what if it's Trey Lance? What if after the Trey Lance rehab tour in Dallas, like what if that's the move? You can't we know can't. Terry loves Trey Lance. You can't interest. Yeah, but to Zach
2: Robinson and Raheem Morris. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't
1: know. Zach was, I'm sure, evaluating Trey coming out of college. I don't know what Zach Robinson thinks about him.
2: I fully, we're not going to have an answer at the quarterback position until draft day. I firmly believe Mm. that just because they're going to go through the, they're going to go through the process and they're going to interview these guys and they're going to, we're going to be hearing about the Falcons talking to Caleb Williams and Drake May and Bo Nix and every single one of these guys. They are going to talk to them. And it's like, maybe maybe they don't need to do some big time move. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was drafted with the 10th pick. Deshaun Watson was taken with the 12th pick. And I understand everything how it has gone downhill in Cleveland. But when he was in Houston, he was a really, really good quarterback. And you can, Lamar Jackson was picked 32, you know? So it's like, you can find value throughout the first round of the draft. It's just, they're going to be doing their due diligence throughout this process. And they're going to be at every single pro day. They're going to be at every single combine talking to quarterbacks. It's the most important position on the field. And you're not going to make a trade for Justin Fields until you can completely rule out all of those guys. You know, there's a reason they didn't trade, they didn't draft Justin Fields in the first place. They didn't do it. They had the opportunity to do it and they chose not to do that. That means something. It has to mean at least a little bit of something. Whether it doesn't mean that he's off the table all of a sudden, but they're going to do their due diligence.
5: But what does it mean vis-a-vis, I mean, this is a new offense, a new new coaching staff. It's the same GM for sure. But, I I mean, we don't have all these answers. But what we do know is that I can absolutely guarantee you, they asked Raheem Morris in his interview, what's your plan at quarterback? Yeah. You know, if you get this job, what's your plan at quarterback? We might never know what he answered, but he he was asked the question. He has a plan. Um, And we do know in his interview he was said, I'm bringing Zach Robinson with me, right? And he mm. did. So there, I'll be really interested to announce his press conferences a week from today. I will be very interested when he gets asked that question, what he says.
1: I don't disagree. Um, well, final thing, and we will let uh, Garrett and Max get out of here. Final prediction here, or final thing letter grade on the Falcons hiring Raheem Morris. I'll go B. Max?
5: B. Plus. Yeah. Well, well, wait. Pause. B plus marked up to an A minus when they announced Zach Robinson.
1: Okay, I'll go B plus to A solid if they trade up for a quarterback in the top three or just trade for Justin Fields. I'll go A because then I like I I can see the vision like that that'll that'll make it uh, enough for me. Garrett,
2: what about you? See, like you got, like you're both saying it without saying it's an incomplete grade until they figure out what they do with quarterback you cannot judge judge this whole process until you figure out what the quarterback position is going to be going forward. I love the Zach Robinson hire. I think it's a slam dunk that I, I have a coworker who used to go, he worked with him when he was back at pro football focus. And the dude is really, really sharp. Mm. He knows his stuff. And I think as a, as an evaluator of talent, we'll see what ends up happening because of course he wasn't the decision maker, but when he was, you know, working with the guys like Matthew Stafford and Baker Mayfield and, Um, he did a really good job. You know, the dude does a really good job. And I I think at the end of the day, it's like, that was a big time hire. I got to learn a little bit more about Jimmy Lake. I know a little bit about him, the new defensive coordinator. Um, But ultimately at the end of the day, it's a B plus for me, just because I like, I like Raheem Morris. I think he can be really good here in Atlanta. At least it brings some consistency and, and at least a little bit of winning. I don't, we'll see if he can bring a Super Bowl, but I won't believe in this team as a whole until we get a quarterback and figure out that position.
1: There you go. Garrett Chapman, Max Markovich, always a pleasure. And I'll talk to y'all next week.
0: Nicely done nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.